another episode of Magic with Zuby. I'm joined here today with a special guest, Bryce. And today's main topic is going to be magic finance and basically going on about, you know, if you're just wanting to start getting into magic finance. Um, so usually, you know, Bryce, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, like I said, my name is Bryce Jeffcoat. Um, I am a magic player, obviously. Um, I kind of, I kind of dabble in. I guess I'm a more casual um, magic finance person. Um, I wouldn't be what you consider hardcore, like into it by any means. But it's more, it's more of a self-sustaining thing for me. Okay. So it's sort of like what helps you keep in the game without trying to spend too much money. Right. I've, it's basically spending as little of my actual money as possible while still, I guess playing magic <laughs> yeah as much as possible yeah i probably need to start learning to do that because yeah my wife sees the bills sometimes and just like what did you spend just yep. uh, you know <laughs> well uh you see <laughs> but um all right so i don't know if you've been following the news in magic but i'm sure you've seen the eternal masters has been announced i have yeah. and that looks pretty exciting. I mean, the price tag on it does not look exciting, but <laughs> the um no, <clears throat> yeah, it's the fact that they're going to be reprinting Force of Will and Wasteland so far seems pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, that that part. Um, and you know, hearing hearing about it even before I saw the MSRP on like booster packs and everything, I figured it'd be the same, um, along the same lines as the Modern Masters. Yeah. So I mean, that wasn't really surprising. Still more than I would like to pay for a pack of magic cards, but you know what are you going to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it seems like so I, I think they're not going to be reprinting any revised or reserved list cards. No, so. no, no reserved list. That means no. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but obviously no duels. So yeah, so at no... least not at least not in their traditional form. I mean, I've seen some people speculating maybe they'll you know they'll tweak them a little bit. You know, maybe kind of switch it up so they're duels, but they're you know, some kind of drawback or whatever. But definitely none of the originals. Yeah, what do you think the what do you think the drawback might be? Because we already have a lot of well, the other the only true duels I can think of are the shock lands, the tango lands. Um, aren't there? Wait, no, razor verge thicket. That's just like a check land. Wait, aren't aren't there aren't there any well, other duels the fa- or the fast lands, the Mirrodin, um, yeah. and Mirrodin, I guess the fast lands, the Razor Ridge Thicket, and um, that uh, there's the Pain Lands, the Carpelusian Forest, and well, I'm just thinking of ones that you can fetch for. Oh, uh, I think it's only Shock Lands and the Tango Lands, right? Is there any others Bes- uh, besides the original duels? No, I think that's it. So I wonder if they're going to tweak it somehow to where it's still fetchable, but maybe it'll be something like the Tango Lands where you need one basic land out. I don't know. I mean, that, that'd be way better than having two, you know. Right, and it'd be better than, you know, none at all. I just, yeah. I really don't even know what direction they would go with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know if you've heard the, I don't know if you go on Reddit at all, but... um, I try not to. <laughs> yeah, it's... To, to me, it gets a little addicting, but it, it can be – sometimes it can be pretty bad. But um, it's – I don't know if you've seen some of the um, 
there's that one account going around that supposedly spoiled the Eternal Masters before it came out. And he also predicted the Splinter Twin ban in Modern. Um, no, I I mean, I'm, I'm aware of it. And I'm aware that there's a guy who's been pretty much dead on with a couple of things, but I, I haven't seen any of it firsthand. <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah, so apparently he's... um. Well, no, and then there was the whole vendor list scandal that turned out to be completely fake. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm kind of <laughs> glad. Was, it was so it was so funny because um, I'm on another podcast, uh, Magic the Parenting, and we we were recording last night, and one of the things we were actually going to talk about was um, you know the the vendor leak thing. We we're just going to touch on it a little bit. Yeah. And we didn't we didn't end up getting to it, and when we finished, we got on Twitter and we saw that it was all you know. <laughs> Yeah, by the time you were done, Crap. it's all fake. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, well, we're glad we didn't get a, get to that. So, yeah, that's, I didn't. Yeah, that's not too bad. Um, yeah, one of the things that I've noticed that ever since they've announced the Eternal Masters, the dual land prices have been skyrocketing oh. for some of them, especially the revised yeah. ones. Yeah, every, anything blue. If you if you wanted to play anything blue in Legacy that required a dual land, the time to get those was like a month ago. Yeah, well, that's just insane right now. Yeah, luckily I'm slowly but surely building Legacy Elves, so I think Bayou is the only duel I really need. Yeah, I think so. And so I, I had that deck, and that's I think that's the only duel I ran. And so I figured I could try to run Overgrown Tomb for the time being because Gaia's Cradle is going to run me a very pretty penny. Right bef- before getting that, I think I'd rather get the Gaia Cradle before um, getting Bayou. Yeah, and th- this probably isn't going to be a very popular opinion, but I I really don't see a problem running the Shocklands over, you know, the duels unless it's in a deck where you actually really need to monitor your life total. Yeah, that's true, and especially I guess if I, I don't, I'm not really that familiar with the Legacy metagame, but is Burn a popular um, deck? <sighs> I really couldn't say. I haven't I haven't played Legacy. In a while, I actually sold out of it in my uh, physical collection here a couple of months ago. Oh, okay. I was trying to balance legacy and modern and standard, and I just I had to kind of base it on what was going on around me, and nobody played legacy. So, yeah, see, that's what's sort of slowing me down from because I was working on it a few months ago. I got I pretty much got all the creatures for my elf deck, and and I got all the spells. And the last part was the lands, which are usually the most expensive, and then yeah. then I finally finished my elf modern deck and been focusing on modern for the past few months and just come to find out there's really no one that plays legacy in my area <laughs> yeah i ask people if they have legacy decks and they look at me like i have three heads I'm like, oh, okay <laughs> but yeah to go back to your question um i mean i guess burn could be a thing in legacy if it's not I mean, it's always an option yeah yeah i'm looking at um just going back, in case um, some people listening don't know what the dual lands are, um, they're they're lands that can tap for either color. There's what, ten of them, right? Yeah. Um, and starting from the very first set of Magic, they were printed in Alpha. Then in the second set, Beta. Then what? Unlimited was that the third set official set or? Yep. And then Revised. That was just sort of a reprint set, wasn't it? Or more or less. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure how many new cards there actually were between revised and 
um, or between unlimited and revised. Yeah, because I know they have an actual fourth edition. Because I, I would... there are cars they left out, like they yeah. any of the boxes or the you know Power Nine or anything. Yeah, because yeah, I always get confused thinking that revised was fourth edition, but there is an actual fourth edition mm-hmm. um, core set. But yeah, it looks like a lot of it's reprints, from what I can tell, just briefly looking over it. But um, dual lands have been, especially now that Eternal Masters has been announced dual lands have been highly sought after and then there's that whole um fear going around that you know wizards is going to drop legacy and make a new format called eternal without the reserve list so i mean that pretty i mean Uh, i'm not sure i'm not too sure about that i mean it makes sense if they if they're never planning on ever reprinting from the reserve list again you know because then they can just start doing more eternal masters and you know. Right, I don't like. But, I've heard a couple of things like ban banning reserve list cards altogether, and then just I don't. I'm not sure what I think about all that right now. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean, I guess we just have to wait and see, especially with what they're going to be reprinting too. Yeah, it's way too early to really speculate on anything right now. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> but I guess um with that announcement, it brings it up brings it off to our main topic um, about finance um, one of the things that you know you start to really learn especially when you're going to start being a little bit competitive going to Friday Night Magic or maybe some IQs or PPTQs is you start to really learn about the financial side of magic um, you know how much cards are worth um, you know how, how much you're actually going to be putting into this if you want to be competitive oh yeah and um yeah, like I was saying before, maybe I I think I really do need to start getting a little bit more on the financial side of it because it's you know because I'm so invested in standard and now that I'm starting to get into modern, you know modern is in a rotating format so my deck essentially I can keep playing it as long as they don't ban it but right it's um but for me to be competitive I'm always gonna probably want to get the tier one deck that stands out but um yeah. It's, def- it's definitely going to be in your best interest uh, to just keep on top of. You don't have to be like super, super knowledgeable, like yeah. to the point of you know what's going to spike when. But I mean, just on the most basic level, just to save your ass if you're like trading or buying things, you need to have at least some general idea of what you know the cards are worth. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, I guess to my first question for you is, what is magic finance? How, how would you describe it? Magic finance, um, well, I mean, I mean, at, at its most basic, magic finance is making money from magic cards. I like to think of it as making your collection work for you. Okay. Um, like I think of it as an investment, and I'm sure a lot of other guys do too. Um, like I said, I'm not as active as you know your, you know the guys over at Brainstorm Brewery or some of those other you know podcasts and stuff that do this stuff every day. I'm definitely not that. But so would you, know, you say you're more of a casual um, financer? I, I'm 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 definitely a a casual finance guy um like i said it's completely you know self-serving for me i'm not i'm not doing it to sell things to people i'm doing it 
to sell things to people to make money. I'm just, am I making sense? I feel like I'm talking yeah. in a circle, but not really making sense. No, no, I, I, I kind of get where you're at. You're, it sounds like you're, you've got into it to really self-sustain yourself in the game. Yeah. I'm not doing it for profit. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like I'm basically <clears throat> breaking even with what I do. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's fine for me. There are some people who will hear that and be like, no, oh, you're not doing it right. You know? <laughs> I might not be doing it right. That's okay. I mean, it works for me. <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like you're trying. Um, so saying saying that, you know, do you think it's if you were to try to get a little bit more serious in it, do you think it's worth investing into magic? If I had the time and the money to invest in it, I think it could be. Um, I can say that just you know from observation and my you know experience, it's a significant. Um, tax on your resources like time money just attention you know because there's so many things that you need to keep up on and so many you know metrics and variables to watch and so so what would you need exactly to catch up on or watch you know what are some of the indicators that a card may go up or down um well for me what i use i you know, I pay attention to uh, tournament results. Um, like in the week leading up to a big tournament, you know, I'll read articles. You know, what pros are you know running, what they're talking about. You know, what looks strong, what look, what doesn't look strong. Um, then I'll usually I'll comb my collection for you know pieces of you know, the various decks that I think will do well, um, and I'll kind of get get them together in one spot so I can kind of monitor how they do throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this isn't an every week thing. I, I pick and choose because obviously, you know, I have other things I need to do and this isn't my full time job, but yeah. that, that'll definitely go a long way. Just keeping track of what's going on. Um, like on the pro tour, uh, GPs, SCG, um, open series, things like that. Um, as far as websites I use, um, I'm a big fan of uh, MTG Goldfish. That that provides a lot. There's a MTG price that I peruse occasionally. Um, and th- they have things like, you know, biggest like biggest gainers of the week. You know, cards that have gone up the most by percentage and by actual dollar amount, and like the same things for you know cards that have gone down. Yeah. So that that's a good tool to uh, to kind of keep track of that and take stock of where you're at throughout the week. Um, and based on that, you know, I can decide what I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna throw up on a TCG player for how much, or you know, what if, you know, throw something up on, you know, Puka Trade. Okay. And whatnot. <clears throat> okay. Now that makes sense. So. You, you talking about um okay. you know what pro players are playing or what the or what you know the tournament results are <clears throat> um i don't know are you familiar with trading on the stock stock market at all nah i, I don't touch stocks <laughs> <laughs> well it's i've recently started getting into stock market trading and doing a little bit of day trading here and there i mean nothing n- no serious money or anything it's just mm-hmm. you know maybe every time i get paid i may spend you know invest a couple hundred bucks here or there something like that. And, um, 
it's one of the things, you know, when I was thinking of, you know, the layout for this episode is, you know, you know, when you're looking at a stock, it's, they usually have, you know, a five year, you know, how that stock is done in five years, you know, one year, one week, you know, how, how much it's gone up and down. Um, and I see that, you know, MTG price or MTG stocks or goldfish has something similar. You know, even when you're trying to buy a card on TCG player, you can see the graph of how much it's gone up, how much yeah. it's gone down. Um, mm-hmm. But the one thing I've also noticed when you're investing in stocks is companies have what they call earnings reports. You know, how much they've made in a quarter, how much they've made in a year, f- past five years. And um, right. and they also have news reports of what the company is potentially doing. Um, Magic cards don't really have that, do they? They don't really have... Um... They're, I mean, they don't because, you know, Wizards um, doesn't really participate in the secondary market. And you've got so many, like, quote-unquote, you know, companies. You know, everyone's selling their cards are basically a company. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. So with something like that, how it's not really regulated, you know, what is there any kind of tips that you can give to what how a card when a card may or may not spike or when it may or may not go up or down? Like, I mean, a pro player obviously talking about it will give it a lot of light, like say, um, what what's that one card that I, I saw like a bunch of buzz about? before the modern pro tour seance i think oh god yeah <laughs> how someone was gonna pay like hey i'll that. pay you like two thousand dollars to play seance or whatever it was it was something dumb, i think it was but... forty thousand dollars i'll pay you oh, forty thousand dollars to play a seance deck and friggin' pro tour like... oh god <laughs> but um you know just something like that does does do pro players make a card spike up a lot i mean it it can. Any kind of buzz is going to generate some, you know, movement. Um, depending on, you know, depending on who it is, uh, makes a difference. Um, whether they're just, you know, casually mention it in an article or they actually, you know, hypothesize, you know, how it would do the build, a, you know, deck around it or something. That'll, that'll usually generate more buzz. And the more, you know, people that pick up on that, you know, the more traction it'll get. And, Eventually, you know, if it's if it's going to spike, then it you know, will spike. But what um, what do you think indicates a card will plummet? You know, when it just drastically drops down in price. Well, um, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, I mean, this is this probably isn't the best example, but uh, Worldbreaker uh, when that first came out. Which is a mythic from Oath of the Gatewatch. Um, yeah, it looks sorry. like when. It, no, that's all right. <laughs> no, it looks like when it first came out. I'm looking at TCG player. It looks like it was about three bucks when it first came out. Mm-hmm, yeah, it it started low. I I don't know what the pre-order was offhand, but yeah, it you know in the weeks I think leading up to. You know the Pro Tour, it kind of it got it caught some buzz, so it started going up. I think it got up to around ten, ten dollars. I want to say I I sold mine around eight, um, okay. and that was that was shortly after the uh, Pro Tour. But it, I mean, it didn't really do anything noteworthy there, so it kind of you know made its way down. 
Yeah, that's true. So, so what do you think made it go up? Was it just hype, purely hype, or you know, a lot of the time that's that's what it is, especially when a card is unproven like that. Okay. I mean, because they really have nothing to base it on. I mean, a couple of couple of people, you know, deck building within brainstorming, and you know, but you don't know how it's going to do until you know the first tournament. And it's either it does really well, and then everyone's like, "Holy shit, I got to have this card," or it's <laughs> not doesn't do that well, and everyone's like, "Eh, whatever." Yeah, until it does well when another rotation happens, and right, and that's I'll I'll share a story, um, and people who follow me on Twitter uh, will probably like people who pay attention to my stuff on Twitter might remember this. I know Jason Lee. I don't know if he listens to this, but he rags on me about this fairly often um i was really big into see the unwritten oh yeah um, i remember that card which i should be able yeah that's the kanza tarkir one right yeah hold up i'll just spout off what it does really quick and okay. I, I thought this card was you know friggin' awesome when i first saw it so i'm like oh yeah man i'm gonna i'm gonna get into this card because it's so cheap um. Yeah, it's a uh, from cons of, yeah, cons of Tarkir. Uh, it's a mythic sorcery. Uh, four and two green. Uh, reveal the top eight cards of your library. You may put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield. Uh, put the rest into your graveyard. And it also has ferocious, which says if you control the creature with power four or greater, you may, you may put two creature cards onto the battlefield instead of one. Yeah, on and paper that's not a bad card. On paper that sounds freaking sweet. And then especially when um Battle for Zendikar uh was spoiled, everyone's like, Oh man, Aldrazi are coming back. You know, this might be really good in an Aldrazi deck, you know. Aldrazi ramp, yeah, see the unwritten, blah blah blah. Awesome. Beat face, cool. So I'm <laughs> like, Yeah. I'll give you some of these and it didn't do anything. Like it spiked hard. Like right around when I think um, Battle for Zendikar came out, I think uh, the non-foils got up to around seven or eight dollars. So I sold a bunch. I sold a bunch at that price uh, when I picked them up at around two to three dollars each. Um, and then after after that like month following the release, it just kind of dropped, and now it's now it's back to like you can get it on a for a dollar on TCG player. So I have like a box of 70 of these cards sitting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Which I'll hang on to these because I, I'm stubborn, but I still have hope that, you know, see the unwritten will see the day where it's actually good and does something. So, um, no, well, you got a few months. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got a few months until it's rotated out. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it'll see much modern. Modern maybe not. legacy, I would I would think it'd see more in legacy than modern, but I mean it depends. Yeah, modern's just so fast right now. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I went to um Monday Night Modern this week, and I like like I said, I only have my elf deck right now. I'm almost done with my Grixis Delver deck. Um, just need to get two Snapcasters, and um, but yeah, everybody's playing either Abzan Company. Or Eldrazi, or Affinity. That's pretty much it. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm so sick of seeing those three decks. Yeah, I mean, the Abzan company is at least a little bit refreshing, even though it's a pain in the ass to play against. Yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, but Affinity and Eldrazi, it's just straight beat down, and it's just... Especially Eldrazi, its elves are just not fast enough at all for Eldrazi. Yeah, I've I've had very limited luck. I play, um, I've been playing Boggles, or Bogles, Boggles, whatever, the green-white hexproof. Yeah. <clears throat> And I've I've gotten lucky a couple of times with that, but it's I mean even that it's not really great against it consistently. Yeah, it's you know I finally did beat Boggles for the first time ever playing Elves, but then again I think my my opponent just drew bad. So, but yeah, that that Boggles is a pretty good deck though. It's I've been looking at it. It's pretty cheap. It looks like too. Yeah, it's it's not bad at all. I mean. If you if you run Horizon Canopy in it, it's going to run you quite a bit more. But yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I took those out. I mean, I'm just, they didn't they never did anything for me really. So I just I sold them and just moved on. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the better thing. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Let me see some other questions here. So. You know, how would someone new, you know, say you're a new player and wanting to get in more competitive and then you find out the finance scene, how would someone new jump into this? You know, what would you recommend for someone new wanting to get into the finance side? Uh, read. Read a lot. Um, God, I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm name dropping, but <laughs> I mean, there are definitely some writers that they should, you know, check out. Um, and you can name drop. It's fine. I'm blanking. I mean, I, mean, I know, I know, <laughs> I know who they are. Um, Travis Allen is a good one. Um, Zimit uh, does some good stuff. Uh, Doug Johnson over at, um, I think he's still over at, um, like Quiet Speculation, or maybe he went somewhere else. I don't know. But there, there are three guys that I that I read a lot. Uh, Frost. I can only think of him by his Twitter handle. Okay. Um, he does some stuff. Um, Saffron Olive doesn't do a whole lot of the finance stuff, but he he builds janky decks and plays with them, so I like that. <laughs> yeah, the only thing the only thing with those that he does is as soon as he releases a deck, all the prices go up on him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the only bad thing. Like I see a deck, I'm like yeah, it's awesome. Oh, that card is going to go up. Yeah, <laughs> like I've tried to build um, some of them on Magic Online, and just as soon as I do, it's like, oh, it's only five bucks or five tickets. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like twenty tickets. That that's the uh, that's the aspect of it that I don't like, and it's not so much like there's a difference, and you you have to draw a distinction between you know finance guys and just like speculators. Because there, there's a, there's a difference, and the people who just go, like I can see buying, you know, ten, maybe even twenty copies of a card you think is going to do well, that's cool. But if you're one of these guys going on like TCG player, and buying four hundred copies of a card, like it's it's obvious that you're intentionally trying to make the price spike, and that's 
I I think that's shitty. I don't. Yeah, that I don't agree it, with that at all. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt, especially, you know, like you say, you're just trying to buy a card just so you actually want to play it, and yeah. You know, didn't something similar like that happen to Jace Vin's Vin's Prodigy, the Origins one? Like when he first started getting popular, didn't, didn't wasn't there like a buyout on him? I'm not sure. I I'll admit, I slept really really hard on 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 Flip Jace. I was not having any of it. I took one look at it. I'm like, eh, whatever. This is gonna suck. And that that was all. And I played one game against it, and it wrecked me. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I figured I'd pick up a couple of copies. Nope. Fifty bucks. Yeah, I was I was happy I got them at what were they like fourteen fifteen bucks a piece my playset. Oh man, as soon as as soon as it started spiking up, everybody wanted me. Well, everybody wanted to trade with them. I'm like, nope, I'm not trading them away. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I remember um something similar happened to Hangerback Walker. What was it the Magic World Cup or something? When it got really popular. Oh yeah. And it was spiked up to like twenty bucks, and now it's back down to like looks like six or seven bucks. That's yeah, where it should be now. <laughs> yeah, but it's mean, still everyone, a good, it's... Was, everyone was playing them though. Like people were literally cramming them in every deck. <laughs> like whether it made sense. Yeah, or you're not. right. Yeah, I remember that. And now, now it's just. I mean, it to me, it, I use it mainly for sideboard if I have to. Yeah. But um. Yeah, so where, where do you actually sell your cards? I know you mentioned um TCG Player and Puka Trade. Yes. Um, is that do you ever sell them at a local game store or anything? Or I I don't just because I don't go out enough to really you know I'm I'm not up there enough to really warrant you know even even if they had the space you know like trying to rent like you know um, space in a card case, but I. I'd basically just do TCG player and um, you know Puka Trade if I'm not looking for money. Puka Trade I'll do um, smaller stuff just to kind of you know, know flips the right word, but just convert cards I'm not using into cards that I need or you know could potentially serve me in the future. Um, but if I'm like if a card is spiking and I want you know, I want to offload a card, then you know, TCG player is usually where I do it. Okay. And do they? What are their fees like for for when they take out? Are they better than eBay? They're, I think they're slightly better than eBay. I mean, they're still bad, but I mean, they aren't really. I don't. I don't know the figure offhand, but they take out. Take out some percentage. Yeah, I guess I gotta make their money somehow. Well, yeah, you gotta, yeah. gotta keep the lights on. Yeah, pretty much. Um, another question: How do you determine what cards are a fad and which one are gonna hold its value? I know that's sort of a loaded question because it's. Yeah, it, 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 it seems it, like it seems like any person on any given day can make a bad card good. So I mean, it's <laughs> I don't know. I I get I try to go with my gut 
like me, you know, I've been playing for a while. I'm not the best player, but I I like to think that I have some kind of handle on what's going on with the cards, you know, when I look at them. So I, mean, I can generally tell if something's going to be decent or if it's just garbage. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the player. Okay. So do when you're when you're looking at cards to buy into, are you mainly looking for its value within its life and standard or or possible modern or legacy implications it can have? I I try to look at everything just because I think if you just look at a card in a vacuum of one format, then you could entirely miss, you know, some kind of potential you know, it would have in you know, modern or legacy or standard or whatever, you know, you, you've seen it. A card kicks ass in standard, and then it rotates out, and it's just nothing. Hey, Goblin you know, Rebel Master. Yes, yeah. that that <laughs> ticked me off so bad because it was so good in standard. I'm like, oh, man, all right, I'm going to make this work in, you know, legacy goblins, and it's going to be awesome, and it was not awesome. <laughs> I know it's sad. <laughs> and conversely, there's cards that don't do jack crap in standard, and then when it rotates out, like it wreaks havoc and freaking like treasure cruise. You know, it's oh yeah, it's decent in standard, but it just you know it got banned how quickly? And was it modern? It got banned in. Yeah, it modern got banned in modern. What I think? Yeah. What couple months after cons came out? Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it, it that all. Was- it usually depends on what cards are around it that can, you know, make it better. Cause... So when a card, when a prominent card is going to be reprinted, say the cons fetch lands are a really good, um, good example. Now I don't know if you have any onslaught fetches or anything like that, but if a card, if something like that, that, that could be that expensive, like the onslaught fetches were pretty expensive. Um, with, with when that when the cons fetches were announced, is that something like you want to sell your onslaughts right away because you know the price is going to go down? Yeah, that, or... that's that's the general thinking. Um, like a reprint that big, you know, usually at the first. I want to say when they were first, the set was announced and it was first kind of speculated that they might be reprinting the fetches. Um, I know the fetches started going up. And the original ones? The original ones, yeah. And I noticed this, I actually noticed this, I noticed this more prominently with the Painlands. Like, personally, I I noticed the um, the Apocalypse Painlands, the, especially the foils, they went up ridiculously high. When which, they are, were... which are the Apocalypse ones? Are those the um, enemy-colored ones or the allied? The, the ones that were reprinted in a... Um, M15. Oh, okay, okay. Land of War Waste and the Shiv and Reef and things like that. Um, okay. So those, so those skyrocketed. The foils were ridiculous. I think they wanted... I think the Shiv and Reef foil got up to $40 at one point. Oh, wow. And they were like $10 previously. Yeah, it was nuts. But I think that's what happens usually because there are some people who like the older printings of cards. And the general thinking is sell out now because eventually you know the supply will be plentiful enough you'll be able to pick them up for you know cheaper and you'll make some profit off of the ones you sold okay 
Oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, now, is the reverse for that true at all? Like, if there's going to be a prominent reprint, do you want to start buying up some of maybe the older copies and possibly try to sell them on the high end, or is there nothing really like that? If you can, because um, there, it's. I think the window for that is so small, though. Like, you really, really need to be in tune with what's going on. Because um, if you if you wait until you see the card move, moving up, you're already too late. Oh, okay. That, that, that's the general rule. That's what I've heard time and time again. If you're seeing it spike, it's past the time you should have bought it. Yeah, you might so get... you might still be able to you know turn a profit from it, but it's it's going to be minimal. So I guess that goes back to how do you determine if a card's going to spike? Is that just going back to you know your gut feeling or? Yeah, I mean, gut feeling. You know the websites that monitor the you know the trends like the MTG price and the MTG Goldfish. You know those are those are big with kind of predicting what's going to happen but yeah it's the the whole finance thing is so delicate i guess there's so much guesswork and like so much research that you know you need to do to be really successful with it jesus it sounds um sounds a lot more volatile than what i've been reading up on the stock market cuz like i was saying before at least you can look at earnings reports and see how a company's doing yeah, this this is just sort of like, hey, this card may spike, so I'm gonna buy a hundred copies of it. It's yeah, <laughs> and then it might not have spiked, but since you bought a hundred copies, that might make the price go up. Like it's, it's so. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Is then it what have has that ever happened to you where you maybe bought you think a card's gonna go up, you bought a bought a hundred copies of it, and then other people are thinking, oh crap, why is this being being bought out? Um, not the or most, have you seen that happen or I, I I've seen it happen I I can't recall a specific card but I've definitely seen that happen um the most of any one card I've ever purchased at one time uh it was when it was for um Draca Mystic which I believe is born of the gods little you know one a little one blue merfolk that basically fate seals you and your opponent um, oh yeah i remember that card yeah. i thought i thought that was a really good card i had that in my um in soul artifact deck because i made a um when m15 first dropped i put her in it for like control purposes yeah yeah i, I thought it was really good too so i went to star city and i bought 60 foil copies at like 50 cents each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, and I thought nothing... it could do something. It, it didn't. I mean, I'm I'm actually screwing with it now. I'm um, testing it in modern Merfolk. See, maybe it can do something in that, like out of the sideboard maybe. But Yeah, I always thought that was a really good control card. At least when I was playing it in standard. I, I, haven't, um, I haven't tried it in modern or anything like that. But that's pretty funny that um, <laughs> yeah. But so, that you mentioned that because I really like that card. Yeah, but um, I've I've never really bought like hundreds and hundreds of one card just you know because I think it might go up. That was that was the only thing. 
So instead of just single cards, um, I know I notice some people will hold on to sealed product too, like um, they'll buy boxes or cases of sealed product. And what we mean by sealed product is by booster boxes that hold um the thirty six packs of boosters or cases which have what six boxes I think usually six yeah. And um, do you, do you do any of that by sealed product and hold on to it in hopes that it'll go up or? I have zero impulse. So the longest a booster box stays in my possession untouched is probably a few hours. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I I mean, I do have um, a set of the 2014 Commander decks. Is it 2014 or 2013? It's whatever uh, year had the Mind Seas deck with the True Name Nemesis in it. Oh, yeah, that's the 2013. Yeah, I have I have one each of those that I haven't touched. Um, but other than that, nope. Zero self-control. Okay. Yeah, I know what you mean. I usually buy at least a box every time a new set comes out, and I really need to stop doing that because it's ended up just being a waste of money because it'll make me want to build, like, 5 million decks. Because mm-hmm. I have that problem of, especially when a new rotation happens, I'll get so excited about, ooh, I can do this, this, and that, and start buying individual pieces for it, and then end up only playing one or two decks for the whole rotation anyway. Yeah, I, I have a really bad problem with seeing a deck I like and then getting getting it maybe three-quarters of the way built and then just abandoning it. Like I have so many deck boxes with half a deck in it. <laughs> I yeah, started I'm building s- and then just abandoned Oh man, you sound just like me. I know exactly. <laughs> it's um, I've gotten better. Now the only the only ta- the only things that are like half built now are like my modern and legacy decks. Because mm-hmm. I actually do have an actual completed legacy deck. It's but it's probably cost me about forty bucks. It's yeah. mono green stompy. Okay. Which you know, do, during testing, I've actually been able to beat like full blown merfolk with it and um. What was the other one? I think I beat elves with it one time too. Oh, nice. Yeah, but it was it's it's a terrible deck, honestly. But it's but it it can it confuses people. It has um oh what's the one card? Hold on, let me pull it up. Because I only run fourteen lands in it, but I use um I don't know if you've heard of the card land grant. Land grant, yeah, yeah. It's um just for people who don't know, it's a. Uh, came out in Mercadian Masks, and um, it's a one colorless and one green. If you have no land cards in hand, you may reveal your hand as a, instead of paying land grants, mana costs, and search your library for a forest card and put it into your hand. So, you know, I when I was playing that, you know, card at first, you know, to me that doesn't seem to be a very meta card in Legacy. So people were just kind of confused as to what I was doing. Because especially in my area, no one plays mono green stompy, so they've never seen it. <laughs> but it was fun to beat a you know full blown elf and merfolk deck with it. Oh yeah, I bet. But um, all right. So no sealed product. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. As soon as I get a sealed product, I'm just up. Oh, I gotta open it. You know, <laughs> I I can't hold on to it very well. Speaking of not being able to hold on to things, um, can we take a brief pause? Sure. Okay, uh, uh, you can edit this out, right? I just need to go to the bathroom, like, really, really bad. Yeah, no problem. I can edit this out. All right, I'll be right back. All right, cool. All right, so we're back. Probably in 
post-production land when you're hearing this on iTunes, that little edit probably was going to be, what, one second or so? Not even. (laughs) So So, um, I guess the last financial question I have is if you're a new person wanting to get into this, what do you think is a realistic investment amount to start into it? Or or before we get into the investment amount, what would you recommend doing sealed product or individual cards if you're first starting out? First starting out with the financial aspect of it? Yeah, if you're really wanting to Um, get into it. I would, depending on the size of your collection, I'd try to start with what I already had. Um, Just going through, you know, literally, it'll it'll take a while, uh, but literally going through every card you have and looking up, see, you know, what it's worth. If you can... Uh, look up the history on it, but you're, you're going to want to have an idea of what you know what you have and what that's worth. Um, like I said, I can't speak too much to the uh, sealed product end of it because I just I don't do that. Um, but okay. from what I hear, you're better off if you're going to buy like sealed product. You buy it and you sit on it for years even because obviously it's not going to go up once you know that set is in rotation but once it's out of print like an Innistrad box right now is I don't even know 300 yeah that sounds about right yeah 300 sounds about right Um, so going off of that what do you think long term investment yeah Okay, that makes sense. So, so you're saying that sealed product would be more of a long-term investment. Yeah. Individual cards maybe short-term. Mm-hmm. Um, individual cards a lot more fluid, um, a lot. Okay, a lot more changes with them, a lot more frequently. So, okay, um, you know that actually brings me another question. Speaking of individual cards, um, going back to the stock market, they have something what they call penny stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, stocks that are. E- most of the time they're considered anything a dollar or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's some stocks that are, you know, maybe a tenth of a penny, something like that, and you can buy a lot of shares and hopes that if it goes up to maybe a dollar amount, you can just sell it all off and make a quick buck. Mm-hmm. Is there anything like that equivalent in Magic? Yeah. That, like a penny stock? They're actually referred to as penny stocks. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the, there are cards on the cheaper side that, you know, could have potential – and you basically just stick them in a box and save them for a rainy day. Now, the only card I can think of off the top of my head that may have been one, Monastery Swiss Beer. Was that a lot of money when it first came out? I don't think so. Because I, I know now it's like up to, what, two, three bucks or something? Yeah, or? I think maybe it was a dollar, like around when it first came out. I don't know what it pre-ordered for. I know it was. it started higher than other uncommons, but... It definitely wasn't you know three dollars when it was first you know printed. Yeah, would that be an example of a penny stock, so to say? I think so. Um, a card that I really like. It's not really under the radar, but a uh, Storm Chaser Mage uh, that just came out yeah. in Oath of the Gatewatch. It's the one blue, one red, uh, one two flyer with prowess, I believe. Yeah, it's one three. One it's, three. Um, 
Right. I, I like to think of it as Monastery Swiss Beer's older brother. Yep. <laughs> Definitely. That that was that is something that I'm act- actively like trading for just to keep them and stick them in a box. I mean, the foils are already what fifteen dollars last time I checked. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm looking on TCG Play right now. That's, that's about right. Damn. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that reminds me of the time when I pulled a foil um, treasure cruise when it first came out. I sold it right away for twenty bucks. Ooh, yeah, I'm just like I'm not going to use this, so whatever. <laughs> but um, okay, that makes sense. Um, and I guess the last question is um, what I was about to say. What's what's a realistic investment amount to start into this? What what do you think you should have to set aside? Like, how much money do you think you should have to start off with? That's that's such a hard question to answer, um, just because it is so subjective, like from person to person, and you know what you're actually looking to get out of it. Uh, I'll just throw a random number out there. Um, if you have if you have a hundred dollars that you can just take and you know devote time and you know do some research, look at trends and everything, and just get a hundred dollars worth of some cards that you think might do well. Um, that I mean, potentially it could it could do very well for you. Conversely, it could do nothing for you, too. So I mean, it's it's highly speculative. This whole whole thing. Yeah, that's what I've come to learn. It's because um... you're basing it off information you don't know yet. Ultimately, so. It's, so in a big way, it's like a really big gamble, so to say. Exactly. Okay. That sounds good. Um, all right, man. Well, that's pretty much all the questions I have for this. Um, so I guess to get near the end of this, I heard that, you know, you've started a podcast of your own. Um, you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, um, it's called Magic the Parenting. Um, it's a podcast that I started up with um, – Andrew, who is No Strange Names on Twitter, um, and Aaron, <laughs> who is Aaron's Art Stuff. Um, they're both on Twitter. It stemmed from a Twitter uh, conversation, actually. Um, it was originally going to be a uh, podcast where me and Andrew just kind of argue with each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then Aaron offered to moderate because, as Andrew had said, Magic Community didn't really need another podcast with two dudes. So, you know, she offered to moderate, and then it kind of happened that we're all parents. So we're like, hey, you know, we're all parents. Why don't we do this? And then Magic the Parenting got thrown out, and then next thing you know, we're recording, and we actually recorded our first episode last night. and It went up early this morning. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw it. It was on um, Shout Engine, right? It. Yeah, it's it's on there. Uh, we actually just this evening um, we are going to be hosted on cardconfidants.com. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure if we're going to just be you know doing it there, or we'll have it over on Shout Engine too. I mean, I guess it couldn't hurt to have it in a couple of different places. Well, um, I mean if. Because I noticed uh, you're also trying to get on iTunes if you're um, 
if Card Confidant offers you the R- RSS feed, you know, that's only one less place you got to, you know, host your podcast to. Right, right. So, yeah, we're, we're, there's, so. Still, there's still a lot up in the air figuring that out. Yes. Yeah, so it sounds pretty cool. Um, so how many kids do you have? I have one. Uh, his, one? His Zachary, he is four. And he oh, man. is... He's one kid, but he is definitely a handful. So have you got him playing Magic yet? No. No, not yet. Um, <laughs> he does. He knows He knows all the basic land types. Um, and... He'll carry around some of my cards from time to time, but he he he's he's nowhere near um being ready to learn how to play yet, so <laughs> it'll come. No, it yeah, it'll come. Um I've got a six year old and a twelve year old myself and they're both both daughters, Zoe and Jazzy. And um they are I've built them little dual decks. Um, right, they're just really basic decks to get them to learn. Yeah. Uh, elves elves versus goblins. Awesome. And um, they always make me be the goblins. It's like I'd rather be elves and kick your butts that way. But all right, <laughs> <laughs> no, because they love the elves because they're really so cool. pretty and beautiful. So, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah. So it's it's been a challenge, you know, trying to juggle it all, wanting to wanting to you know go. I, I try to go to F and M every Friday night, and I've been trying, especially this year, try to go to more higher level tournaments. You know, just trying to juggle that and being a parent and husband and full time job. So I'm sure you understand. Yeah. <laughs> it can be oh, yeah. it can be pretty crazy. All too well. <laughs> yeah, but um, all right, man. Um, are there any other plugs you want to throw out or anything like that? Uh, just, yeah, if you're on Twitter and want to give me a shout, follow me. Um, I am at Dirtlewitz, D-U-R-D-L-E-W-I-T-Z. Good, I spelled it right. I always think I'm going to spell it wrong when I have to spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm on Twitter. That would be the best way to get a hold of me. Oh, and I just noticed, I was looking on my phone, that um, Magic the Parenting is now on iTunes. And yes. I just subscribed to it. Nice, awesome. It looks like you just did. You just get approved today, or yep. All right, awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to listen to it because uh, I I listen to all my podcasts in my car. I have like an hour commute drive, so that's where I get all my podcasting in. Um, all right, great. And yeah, I just like to thank you for coming up. We'll have to do this again. Um, do something else, or you know, talk yeah, about more finance stuff, or just talk about magic because I I had a good time. Um. Yeah, so we'll just see. And um, you can find me at at Zubatron. That's Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. And also the Magic with Zuby um, Twitter account is at Magic with Zuby. That's Z-U-B-Y. And you can find Magic at Z- Magic with Zuby on Shout Engine and iTunes. And MTG Cast also hosts the podcast as well. It's a network of Magic the Gathering podcasters. And that they have a lot of good um, other shows on there too that everybody can check out. So, um, all right, Bryce. Um, anything else before that we get going? It. That's it, Mister Zuby. All right. Well, great. Well, I just want to thank you again for coming, and make sure everybody checks out Magic the Parenting, and have a good night, everybody.
Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. And um, yep, everyone have a good night. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. All right. See ya.